we would like to, to preach the word to you today. And uh, I'm thankful for what the Lord has done in my life. He saved me when I was 10 years old. Uh, just brought me under such a burden of sin. I literally felt like that the earth was going to open up and suck me into hell. And I praise the Lord for that burden of sin and that there is a Savior, Jesus Christ. And Joel was right. I want to preach Christ to you today. So let's have a word of prayer again, and uh, we will plunge in. Father, thank you so much for what you are about to do. Lord, we trust in you. We are nothing. You're everything. And Lord, you know that it's a a little bit different being a different pulpit. Lord, I pray for our church, for the good and godly believers of Lighthouse this morning, uh, that you would be with Tim as he preaches there. I thank you for the greater body of Christ, that uh, we are one great family. I thank you for this church, for Redeemer Fellowship, and I pray that you would please speak to them today. Lord, you know how I have sought your will specifically uh, for this moment, and I pray that you would speak to them. May I ever decrease. May Christ always increase. In his precious name I pray, amen. I'd like to preach to you a message entitled, I don't know if Joel entitles his messages or not, but I'd like to preach to you a message entitled, Don't Be Ashamed, Share Gospel Suffering. Don't be ashamed, share gospel suffering. The Apostle Paul, who's the human author of the passage that we're about to plunge into, he rotted in chains in a Roman prison. He was awaiting his execution. For over 30 years, he had preached Jesus' gospel. He had suffered very, very, very much in doing it. He had had been beaten often, Scripture says, stoned, shipwrecked, floating in the sea a night and a day, robbed, fought with wild animals, uh, persecuted by Jews and Gentiles, all because of one thing. And that is that he preached and taught the good news of Jesus Christ. I don't think that we know very much about suffering for the gospel, do we? In our society, especially in our country. I do praise the Lord for our religious freedoms that we enjoy in our country and for the history of how our country began. But all of us feel and know that they are beginning to be threatened. As long as you are quiet, you keep to yourself as a Christian, as long as you, you know, stay in your lane as it, it was, you're going to be all right. You'll be fine and left alone. Nobody will say much to you. But if you dare with the Apostle Paul, if you dare actually follow Christ's great commission to go ye and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, the exclusive gospel, and you call men to leave their sin and follow him, you should expect you will receive the sharing of the sufferings of the gospel. Christ did. Are you greater than your master? Evangelizers like the apostle Paul did. And our text today both commands But rather, think of it this way, invites us not to be ashamed of Jesus, but rather to share gospel sufferings. So take your Bible, please, and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse number 8. 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning verse number 8. I'll give you a second to get there. I don't know what your custom is. It is our custom in our church to stand for the reading of Scripture and respect. This is the very Word of God. Would you stand with me, please, as I read this passage with you? 
2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning verse number 8 says, Therefore, I'll explain where it's coming from in a second. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Here it is. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. It doesn't, it doesn't mean like, That's the reason why, it's like why I'm willing to suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard or keep until that day what has been entrusted or deposited to me. You may be seated. If you look back at the context in verse 6 and 7, you may want to scan there the whole way through the sermon, please. If you look back at the context at 6 and 7, Timothy is told to stir up his ministry gift from God and to not be afraid. Verse 7 is also is often applied so very generally in, in, in our world, and that's fine in greater evangelicalism, but it's, it's kind of applied, you know, for God gave us a spirit, not a fear, but a power, and it's applied to like each and everything. But in context, in our verses, as we see following in verse 8 and the, the verses that I read to you, 9 and following, we see that the context of that promise or that command or that inspiration for God has not given us a spirit, not a fear, but a power is actively testifying as a Jesus follower and be willing even to suffer to do it. Not to have a spirit of fear. Some believe that the younger Pastor Timothy had kind of pulled back and become afraid as he was testifying for Christ because of the kickback that he was getting. And this is really our first, our main point of the text. Number one, don't be ashamed of testifying about Jesus but rather share the sufferings, or you could say afflictions, of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of testifying about Jesus, but rather share the sufferings, the afflictions of the gospel. Look at the text again, please. Verse 8 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, and it goes on. That verse may trouble some of you, honestly. If you really understand it, what you're being called to, what you're being asked to, what you're going to be promised, all they that are godly in Christ shall suffer persecution, you you, you may trouble you, may bother you, because we have this idea, I'm willing to be a Christian and shine the light of Christ like Solomon prayed, as long as it doesn't cost me anything. As long as we have this idea that I can be this cool Christian in America that just kind of, by my like emanating this gospel change in me, people will be drawn to me. I'll be like this cool guy that everybody like comes to. You know, that may be okay if you're as cool as Joel is. But, you know, for guys like me and Matthew, like we have no hope of that. 
And I want to be honest with you, that has never been the progression of the gospel. It has never been that people see something, I want, I've never in 29 years of ministry have anyone come up to me and say, I want what you've got. Never. From the Old Testament to the case of Jesus and the apostles and the early church, when you publish the gospel of Jesus Christ, opposition and suffering will come. Calling men to repentance from sin and to salvation by grace through Jesus' substitutionary death and resurrection apart from their works or their goodness of religion is highly controversial. They don't want to hear that. And what is interesting to me is I have given the gospel to people, you know, both one-on-one friends, building intentional gospel relationships and neighbors or whatever. They're all good with me until the point they understand. They're all good with me until they actually hear what I'm saying about their sin and their need for a Savior and the exclusiveness of Jesus' message, that he is the way, the truth, the life. They're all good up to that point. When that point comes, you can guarantee that it will cost you something, that there will be pushback. It's an interesting passage in Colossians, Colossians 1.24. The same Apostle Paul says, Now I rejoice in my, in my sufferings for your sake, And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of the body, his body. That is the church. Verse 28, just a few words later, says, him we proclaim. It's a bizarre verse. It's a verse that talks about, like, I am picking up by my evangelism in suffering because of it, where Christ left off in his sufferings, his afflictions, in his crucifixion. It's like he suffered to provide the means of salvation. Now I am willing to keep that suffering going to proclaim that means. It's a crazy verse. And there is suffering left for you and I also. This is the big point of the text. In prison, soon to be Martyred Paul is telling young Timothy, Pastor Timothy, and the believers at the church where the epistle came, Ephesus, push through fear, don't be ashamed of testifying publicly about Jesus, even though it will certainly mean that you'll pay a price for it. It may be hurt, cause suffering, cause awkwardness, maybe physical persecution, great fear, maybe broken relationships, people thinking you're weird, people arguing with you, people rejecting you, choose proclaiming Christ over ease and peacefulness in your life. And leisure and apathy, don't be ashamed of him or people who stand boldly with him, like prisoner Paul. This is hard, isn't it? It's very hard. How can we do this? Verse 9, look down there, it says, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. The power of God can cause timid, fearful people like Paul, Timothy, you and me to testify and stand for Jesus even while shaking. 1 Timothy 2, 3 says that Paul evangelized in weakness and fear and much trembling. I think that we think if the power of God is on us, I think we think that if God hits us with his power, we'll just go out and be crazy, bold evangelizers who, you know, just never have a fear, never have an anxiety, never have awkwardness. We'll just be like this euphoric feeling, whatever. That is not what happened with the apostles. 
That is not what happened with the Apostle Paul, perhaps the greatest evangelist other than Christ. Yesterday, and I want to tell you when I'm talking about this, you know, not everyone, uh, uh, let me back that up. We need to give the gospel to our own mission fields, like to our friends, like to building intentional gospel relationships, like with people we don't know, for the sake of giving the, go- the gospel to our neighbors, you know, all of that. So I don't want you to think that I'm talking about always like street preaching or whatever, that kind of stuff. You know, that, that's also included great, yes. I mean, the apostles did a lot of that. Yesterday, me and another, another guy, our, our, our church goes out and does canvassing and, uh, and evangelism. We were on Main Street in, in Newark yesterday. So, in the days building up to that, for no explainable reason other than principalities and powers, I was so full of anxiety. I've done that hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. So, I am so built, so filled with confusion, fear, whatever, knowing what we're going to do. And we do it in a, you know, a, a straightforward way, but never aggressive, never, you know, we let the Holy Spirit bring us to the people, we share the gospel with them. Shaking. You know what the power of God is, though? It is not that you stop shaking, it is that you still proclaim Christ while you're shaking. Who would ever do that? That's craziness. That's the power of God, folks. That is what the verse is saying. Why would we ever do this? Our text tells us why. Number, point number two in the message, don't be ashamed of Jesus' gospel because of the salvation grace that has come to you. Don't be ashamed of Jesus' gospel. Don't, don't fear suffering. Don't stop being willing to suffer, get proclaiming the gospel because of the salvation grace that's come to you. Look at 9 and 10. It says, who saved us. It's in the context of suffering for the gospel. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So gently and so meaningfully, In the text, the Holy Spirit begins reminding our hearts of why we would suffer for Jesus. It's like, look at what he has done for you. You got that? Amen. Some of you do. I can hear you. Help me preach, okay? Verse 9, this whole idea of do it because of the great salvation grace that's come to you. Number 9, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Folks, God initiated your salvation all on his own, not because he saw something in you he liked. I tell our people, just throw this in really quick, it's like, you know, we go and let's just say we're going we're gonna to adopt a rescue dog or whatever, and we go to the place where there's all these dogs, and we're looking for the best dog. You know, we're looking for the, the dog that's attractive, you know, that, you know, that doesn't, like, bite you in the face when you meet him. You know, because he looks nice, and wow, he actually looks like he might actually have some pedigree, whatever, whatever. This is what the Lord did. He, like, passed all those good-looking dogs, and he found you some three-legged dog with mange in the corner. Amen? Saved a sinner like me and a sinner like you. 
Not because of what we were, but despite our heinous works of sin, it was all on his own, by his purpose and by his grace, to gather a people of his own. In the end, trophies of his grace, exalt his son Jesus Christ, and gather this great people around Jesus, the people of his grace. That was his purpose. That's why he did it. Notice we should be further in awe and be willing to suffer proclaiming this gospel because of the appreciation that God purposed this all and planned our rescue, verse 9b, before the ages began. So God's salvation of you and the whole world was not a reactive plan. It was a pre-plan. You know, we could get into that and preach a whole series of messages on that. He desired, the Godhead desired to exalt the second person of the Godhead, Jesus Christ, greatly and give him a name above every other name and give them, give him people, trophies of grace. Revelation 13.8 says about that pre-plan, Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So understand the whole persuasive argument here in 9 and 10 is for you not to be ashamed of suffering, uh, to proclaim Jesus. It is before the ages began. God purposed to rescue you by charging his son with your sin so that you could avoid eternal judgment. He knew that mankind would rebel and sin against him, yet in his great purpose and grace, he sacrificed his dear son to save us. There's a personal element here in 9 and 10. You know, Paul is talking to Timothy and the church of Ephesus in a personal way, not giant mankind. Jesus, you know, he's talking about you and me. In my heart, I need to be willing to proclaim even if it means suffering because he came after me. Because he saved me, the sinner, personally. For this very reason, suffer to declare the good news to others. Do, Do you think that God's grand purpose to personally rescue you might be motivation to tell someone the story even though they might reject or mock you. Hey, that's a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. When somebody does something great for us, we want to share it. Talk about grace. I'm not going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. I, I am going to be saved because the Lord Jesus came down and died for me and rescued me and called me to himself. That great God-purposed rescue, verse 10 says, was manifested, or you could translate that, brought to light when Jesus appeared on earth. The virgin birth, the perfect sinless life, him coming on a mission to die on the cross and to resurrect, that was brought to life God's great plan. The cross was God's great plan of exalting Christ uh, along with saving you. So don't be ashamed. Be willing to suffer to proclaim the gospel because all that he has done for you. You say, you've talked generally about the all. What's the specifics? Thank you for asking. I asked you to help me to preach and you asked that question. (laughs) Scan 9 and 10. I'm going to give you specifically what the Lord has done for you that makes you, so that you should be willing to suffer to proclaim the gospel to others. Look, please, scan verse 9 and 10. A, he saved you. That is, he rescued you from eternal damnation. B, he particularly called you. Verse 9b says, a holy calling. This doesn't mean his general call for the world to be saved, although that is a call also. It means that sacred, set-apart, holy moment. He showed up in your life. He told your heart, you're a guilty sinner. Come to me and be saved. He called you and he made you holy. He justified you by the blood of Christ. You are called to holy calling. It's a crazy thing. C, What else did he do for me that I should be willing to suffer and proclaim it? He abolished your death. 
Verse 10, see, you scan. I'm preaching what's there. That means the wages of your sin was death. Separation, eternal separation from God forever. Eternal punishment. But God abolished that. He removed that. You will never experience the wages of your sin. You know, this guy can't be the only one that says amen on that. You will never experience the wages of your sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. That is crazy great. Upon your demise, your spirit will immediately be with the Lord, and your body cannot because Christ came out of the grave, and he claimed you. It cannot permanently stay in the grave either. He will perfect gloriously eternal life in you. He abolished your death, both spiritually and physically. Do you think all of that might be worth telling someone, even if they might unfriend you on social media? Oh, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen. Amy and I, right before COVID, went to India. I want to tell you, there's worse things that can happen to believers. We heard stories of pastors being pulled out of their pulpits. I mean, I'm talking to these guys at a college, a seminary, where, where these guys, this has happened to them. Machetes held to their, their necks. People laying in wait to kill them. The militia, we drove through the militia. The, uh, the, the leader of the, the country is one who, who wants to eradicate all religions other than the original home uh, religions of India. And that means Christianity, to eradicate it. There's military that are against the believers, and yet they're going out there, and they're physically being persecuted, and yet they're even more excited. And I ask them, why would you be willing to do that? I wish I had the video clip. Why would you be willing to do that? And two of these young guys in their 20s that are young preacher boys establishing churches, they just smiled, they looked at me, and they said that we counted a privilege to suffer for Jesus. And we're afraid that we're going to get unfriended? On Facebook? It shows my age. I should have said something like cooler. Instacrack. TikTok, Patty Walk. Something cool, but I didn't. But it's not over. There's some other great thing that he did for you in salvation. D, he gave you life and immortality. So you should be willing to suffer and proclaim him. The last of part of verse number 10 What's the difference between life and immortality? He means life and immortality. Life means Jesus made you alive to God. You were dead to God. The whole concept, you know, he's got the whole world in his hands, me and you, brothers. That's a bunch of, that's garbage. We were dead in trespasses and sin, dead to God. He made us alive. Jesus, salvation makes us alive to God. But then he gives us immortality or, or, or you know, what it means is that we will live with him forever. We will become one with him forever. We have life and immortality. Imagine. You have eternal life with, without tears and sickness and sorrow and sin and failure. But the best part is you will be one with God forever. The scripture says you will be like him, Jesus, for you will see him as he is. For all these reasons, brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be willing to proclaim his wonderful gospel and suffer for it. Don't be ashamed of testifying about Jesus to the lost. Don't resist the sufferings of being a Jesus proclaimer. Speak publicly of him. Tell others. Exhale Jesus in your daily life. Support those who are telling others. Don't shrink back because you'll be laughed at or maybe cussed out. It's a great privilege when you realize what Jesus has done for you. Be the apostles of Acts 5.41. 
that when they left great persecution, you remember they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. This is not just for pastors, for elders. This is for you. My friend Paul is, I hope he never sees this. My friend Paul is one of the nastiest, foulest mouthed, wicked people you could ever know. That, I would tell him that to the face, and he knows that. He knows it about himself. He has lived a horrible life of sinfulness. He has uh, led in the abortion of four babies that he's conceived. He is a womanizer and proud of it. He gets very upset when I speak to him about sin and the need to repent and turn to the Savior. He says that it's funny because he's this rough and tough guy. He says, I'm a bully because I give him the gospel. (laughs) He said he makes me feel bad. And twice he's told me, never come back. Don't ever come back. So why do I go back to be mistreated by Paul? For one thing, there's this incredible love in my heart for Paul. It's the Holy Spirit compels me to go back. But for another thing, I look at these verses in 9 and 10. And I go back because Christ saved a sinner like me and he can gloriously save Paul and give him all these blessings in 9 and 10 also. We're not saved because we're better sinners. You realize that. The Apostle Paul floats down from the clouds in the text. He floats down from motivating us by abundant blessings in Jesus. And he says in verse number 11 and 12, that's why I'm a preacher That's why I willingly suffer for the message of Jesus. Look at 11 and 12. He says it this way. For which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher. Which is why I suffer as I do. And I I really feel like that the the tone there is why he's willing. Yes, it's why he suffers, proclaiming, but it's why he's willing to suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted or deposited to me. Last point, three. Yes, Baptist pastors always have three points. I don't know what, I tried to get away from it. Like I, I thought about preaching like 19 points. It just didn't work out. Last point here. Don't be ashamed of Jesus' gospel because you know whom you have trusted in and are convinced will make good on that trust. He will make good on that trust. Verse 12. So what's that phrase mean there? I know whom I have believed. I mean, it's great. It flows. It's great poetry. But what does it mean? It is not just, I know a doctrine. It's not just the gospel makes sense to me. It's not just, I believe the facts of the gospel. It's talking about a target of belief. It's talking about a person. I know whom I have believed. I have trusted on a person. I'm holding him to his word. I know he'll keep his word. The no here is both a strong certainty in the text. I mean, when he hits 12, he's just saying, this is why I'm willing to suffer. This is why I'm willing to proclaim the gospel. You know, I've been called to it, and this is what I believe. I believe it's, it's both a very strong conviction, but it's also talking, the word no is talking about an experiential, a personal experiential knowledge of the whom. And I think here it's kind of hard to, to pull out, is he talking about God or Jesus? The answer is yes. Okay, yes. He's saying, I know whom, that is the Lord, I have believed. Whom I have trusted. 
The Apostle Paul suffered for over 30 years to proclaim Jesus because God had found him in his chief of sinners condition and literally knocked him off his donkey. We saw, he saw the glorified Jesus at the point of his conversion and, and entrusted him in salvation and Christ called him to proclaim that gospel. You know, I was thinking about this. I think, I'm okay with Jesus doing this, by the way. If Jesus, like, appeared here, number one, wouldn't that be cool? Okay, some of you would be freaking out. You'd be falling right in the aisles. I have to revive you. Come on, you're going to miss Jesus. If Jesus, like, appeared to us, you know, in, in, the way that Paul saw him, appeared to him, I think that that would probably jumpstart our evangelism. What do you think? I mean, if I could just see him. But folks, not in that tangible way, but to all of us who have trusted on the Savior, we have the experiential knowledge of God and Christ within us. There is a reason you are here, sitting here, wanting to know more about Christ. It is the Lord who has drawn you here. He has indwelled us by his spirit. He has witnessed to us that we are the children of God. He has new covenant. He has written his laws upon our hearts. He makes my heart cry out, Abba, Father. I should be, I know my heart. I should be chasing some incredibly sinful situation to my own greed, my own lustful desires. But I don't because there is this spirit that has come within me that I know the spirit of God that makes me cry out, I want you, Lord. You are my daddy. You are my father. That doesn't come because you wanted it to. It's because you know whom you believed. He has called us to himself, and we also know whom we have believed. We know him. We can say this with the authority that Paul did. We know him by faith. Paul is saying, I will suffer giving the gospel of Christ. I will not be ashamed because I know God has personally called me to salvation. I am convinced that he will guard, he will keep my soul. That word entrusted at the end, that's how it's literally my deposit. That salvation deposit he has made in me, he will keep to the day of reward. It is real. This isn't a joke. This isn't a game. I am willing to suffer and die to proclaim Jesus' story. It must be proclaimed at all cost. It is worth the suffering. And there is this tone in verse 12 that's pretty cool. Because he said, I'm willing to bodily suffer because I know he is keeping my salvation or keeping my soul. So it's like, it doesn't matter what people can do to me. Unfriend me on social media. <laughs> Call the ambulance. You're so persecuted for Jesus. Whether they scoff at me, whether they talk about me, whether they call me a, you know, a Jesus fanatic, whether, God forbid, but even in this country, it comes to physical persecution, the Apostle Paul knows what he's talking about. They beat him, they stone him, they leave him for dead. He gets back up, goes to the next town, sometimes the same town, and preaches Christ again. It doesn't matter what they can do to my body. My soul is guarded, is secured with Christ against that final day. I am his and he is mine. 
Folks, God has called us to one message and one message alone. We have renounced all plan Bs, and we have bet our eternal, I hate to say it that way, we bet, we have, we have, we have risked, we have committed our eternal soul to God and his work through Jesus Christ's cross and resurrection. We have no safety nets, and there is no halfways. It is only Christ. Now, if that be true in, a, in you, and I hope that it is, and if it is not true in someone here today, I pray that this message will lead you to his gospel, and you'll call upon him as Savior, and he will gloriously and eternally save you today. But if that is true, and since it is true, it is time for us, those who know Christ, to go the rest of the way. You say, what do you mean the rest of the way? It is time to risk disgust and, 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 and rejection and friendship and risk peace and safety and popularity and financial security and comfort and ease and luxury and maybe a little bit of blood to openly testify and proclaim and identify with Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the lover of sinners. Do it with all love and grace, but do it. It is our great opportunity and honor, so the text says, to share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God.